Do you think the people who named Huel are aware of how much like gruel it sounds? Huel. And how much it looks like gruel as well. What did you have this morning? Yeah. Oh, the Huel. <laughs> <laughs> Please, like sir, can I never have any more of that? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I really do like the idea of uh, Oliver Twist in his, um, in, in his, in his orphanage, uh, you know, going up to Mr. Fagan, or in this case, uh, Bill, the CFO. Um, I mean, like, oh, please, sir, can I have some more? And it's like, yeah, of course you can. Just it's put not, in an hour on the ergonomic Fagan. climbing it's wall. The, it's like the controller <laughs> of the workhouse. Fagan is the is the pickpocket leader. You seem to know an awful lot yeah, about uh, workhouses right. and pickpockets don't, for a don't supposedly... Don't come at me, Chang, shit about Oliver Twist. You don't know shit about Oliver Twist. Okay, listen, I don't know what I got myself into, but this is not the podcast I was promised. Um, <laughs> this is, a, this is the arguing about correct textual references to Charles Dickens podcast. Welcome. Look, important, I admit. But do we need to start off fighting about it, gentlemen? I will leave you with that. Theme song. The Pickwick Papers. <laughs> How many papers were there? A close reading. Hello and welcome back again to Trash Future, a podcast I'm going to introduce differently from now on. I'm Riley. You can find me on Twitter at Riley. It's still a bad name. Who do I got here with me? Uh, it's Hussein at H. Kizvani. Um, were we not supposed to start the show off about like Russia and football? Oh yeah. Milo, you're on this one. How's Russia? Hi, my name is Milo Edwards at Milo underscore Edwards on Twitter. You may remember me from almost every previous episode of this podcast. It's sweltering hot in Russia and my internet connection is bad, but we're going to do this. Oh, and it's my last day. Snaps for me. Well, more about you, Milo. What the fuck am I doing here? <laughs> welcome to the Milo Edwards cast. The Milo, it's all about to the Milo Edwards fan it's, it's cast. It's all about Milo. It's all it's about Oliver Twist. It's helpful that you're funny. So that's fine. I will listen to you. Go on. Um, you were this saying is, it's sweltering hot. This is for hot. the real Oliver Twist heads. <laughs> real twisters. They only tune in for me. Real twist heads. Oh, real- gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I'm Nelifah Hidayat. I'm a broadcaster and filmmaker, and I... Uh, kind of gallivant around the world trying to tell stories wherever I find them. Sorry, this is a no gallivanting show. Much like renowned author Charles Dickens. (laughs) I just wanted to appease our archaic language fans out there. I don't want them to kind of think we're not, you know, we're not on their side. You like saunter around the world. Do you like, you know, you're there for for a purpose. Okay. (laughs) I I gallivant or I meander Hmm. or I might just kind of like, anyway, we've taken this too far. (laughs) I sashay around the world making documentaries. <laughs> traveling around the world to two cities, which whilst they're near each other are experiencing rather different turns of fortune. I, I mean, the meta-narrative levels in this podcast, <laughs> I cannot keep up. I cannot. It's just, it's Dickensian, frankly. It's Dickensian. Yeah. Dickensian okay. it's, fr- it's frankly dickish of this. Dick, dickish being a short for Dickensian-ish. But, um, our, yes, other, our other host is actually a very sweet crippled boy, but he couldn't make it here today. <laughs> All, all I can think of right now is like an Oliver Twist reboot, which stars Post Malone as like Fagan. I uh. cannot even. <laughs> Always stealing. <laughs> Yo, I would totally get it. I totally get SoundCloud rapper style face tattoos. <laughs> I'd be, I'd be like Takashi Sixpence. <laughs> but workhouse Chief Keef. Yo, yo, yo. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was gonna say, uh, uh, oh, what would Lil Xan be? Oh, 
Mars. Oh, Lil Opium, of course. No, of course. <laughs> okay. It's 2018. <laughs> 2018. Yo, Lil, Lil, Lil Opium out here with some <laughs> emotional rap. <laughs> with some really like, just like the right amount of trashy clothing and jewelry. Um, well, no, I'd be, but, but like just as, as SoundCloud rappers quite frequently gender bend, I would have lots of like whalebone corsets. Naturally. Obviously. Yes. Uh, Silks, fa- organza, yeah, wrapped absolutely. in organza with like an just amazing con- hairpiece. Just constantly just <laughs> fucked up on opium, like <laughs> spitting, spitting bars about like. Like tragically beautiful. Uh, yeah, obviously. This is the best Oliver Twist reboot. <laughs> we should do I it. Could, yeah. It was, it's Oliver right. Twist, but spelled T W I Z T. Oliver Twisted. Oliver Oliver Tring Tiny Timper. It'll be a fucking hoot. Wait, but, do, but do you know, like, do you know, like, the consequence of doing something like Oliver Twisted is like you have to bring on Jared Leto. Like, that's the law now, right? That's the law. So somehow, like, Jared Leto would like play. Yeah, but weird, don't say yeah. that. Like, I will watch things just because he's in it. I am that shallow and I don't give a fuck. I am oh, that man. person. I don't yeah, care. but the thing is, like, you know, people, people, like, cool ass <laughs> people who take their cues from the Joker, especially the super twisted Jared Leto Joker, like, they see people who are shallow like you and are just like, you know what? Somehow society is going to go to the very weird. And then they do big threads about how gamers aren't going to vote for the Democrats anymore. I can't even spend my time thinking about this. this hey, is just... Tim, you know how I got these sumptuous Christmas geese? Well, I worked on them. I wasn't crippled. Now go home and cry. <laughs> but... <laughs> Yo, Milo, how's it going in Russia? Yeah, so last night we finally settled the, the eternal question that had been you know playing on everyone's minds. Who are the greatest footballing nation on earth, Spain or Russia? Um, and it turned out that it's Russia um, because uh, huh. the Russians won on a penalty shootout, which, as we know, is the best way to win a game of football in the World Cup. Um, and to be fair to them, like they they played quite well. It was quite a, like, a nail-biting end. I just happened to be on Tverskaya, which is like Moscow's equivalent of Oxford Street, when they won. Um, and... I have never seen such madness in all my life. Like, I think the Russians are so unused to winning anything that when they do win something, it is like full, like, uh, fucking Fury Road type shit. Like, people started blocking the entire road with their cars and, like, honking football chants on their horns, which the police joined in with. (laughs) And there were people, like, running up and down the street with flags and shit. Um, This then continued for, like, eight hours. (laughs) Um, like it, the, the whole city was gridlocked by celebrations for eight hours about 10 o'clock I was walking down a street like not even in the very center like kind of like equivalent sort of zone two um, and uh, I walked past there's a street completely gridlocked again with just people like windows downing shit in their cars wow. people running around with flags chanting Gracia and um, one guy just leaned out of the window of his apartment and with like real like, uncertainty in his own voice, like he knew it wouldn't do anything, just went, some of us are trying to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and that guy is the biggest mood. Yeah. No, that guy's the biggest cuck in Russia. But that guy's actually me. So <laughs> it's fine. I'm sorry um, we're here while you're trying to sleep. <laughs> can you keep it? down i've had my huel intake for the day uh, and i just i just need to he is he's russian off. scrooge yeah <laughs> yeah i see it oh my god yeah. no absolutely Someone should have taken him a sumptuous christmas goose some of us have to queue up for this <laughs> sumptuous christmas bread 
Oh no, the <laughs> tankies have saved our ration cards all year long to queue up for 20 hours to get we'll this sumptuous Christmas no, goose. Guys, we have to stop this Comrade or else the Scrooge. tankies that listen to us are going to get mad. Guys, Use this to enjoy the holiday. Wait, if everyone who has ever listened to your show is not already mad at this point, <laughs> they have not been paying attention. Oh, good. Excellent. Um, so... Anyway, every that's, that's the uh, that's go the, through some hard times, guys. That's oh, the, well, that's the that's the that's the Dickens update, the Russia update that we do at the beginning of every show, of course. Yes, uh, this, I f- this I f- podcast was actually originally serialized in a newspaper. Uh-huh. <laughs> I've um I've largely I've largely given up um I've largely given up doing the normal intro. Uh, I like this one better because yeah. this one's not a tongue twister. Yes. Uh, uh- <laughs> So I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna I got keep, that. I got that. I'm gonna keep doing this one forever. I love it. Um, <laughs> it's gonna go on. Uh, so, <clears throat> Nilafar, you talk about food. I do. I you do. Did. Well, I you you, you talk to. about a lot of stuff. Yeah. So this is. So I've been doing this for ten years now. I'm super old. Like, if you have ever Googled me, or if you ever end up Googling me, uh, I look like a 15 year old sort of cherubish boy. You are wearing a Mickey Mouse T-shirt. Don't judge me for my. <laughs> Thrifted, super amazing <laughs> Californian purchase to LA trashy t-shirt. Do not judge. <laughs> Pedophiles at home cranking up their radio sets. <laughs> what are they cranking up, Milo? It's crucial that you don't drop out at that Do point. Go on. <laughs> you dropped out at the most unfortunate mm. moment. So I don't actually Mwah. know what I am at this point. Um, huh. What the part of that joke was. Um, Chef kiss. No, I did, I did end up making <laughs> films about um, food, but that's not why I made them. I didn't initially start off thinking, hmm, I, I, I can take on the best Nigellus. I, I can do this. Um, it was meant to be sort of about other things that I care about. Um, and this was kind of a way, a conduit, like, through the proxy of food that I was going to get to talk about them. Because it's very hard to make films about the kind of stuff that I want to make at, on a commercial channel um, mm. and be like, yeah, I really want to make a film about capitalism. Um, they're like, no, why don't you make a film about, and this is genuinely honest to God true, like surfing. What are your feelings on surfing? It's like, I've never s- touched a surfboard. So um, to kind of make the films that I want to make, I have to find a way of doing it. you to sneak them in. See, sneak in we some find, education. We find it's way easier to make to make to make media about capitalism if you do a podcast and no one's investing in you anyway. Oh, I love that. <laughs> the irony is beautiful. Yeah. Also, you have to use a lot of irony. Yes, um, quite. No, use so, a lot of irony and like dumb references. Yeah. Um, I swear in, to God, like, if you say fucking th- first thing about coffee, I will fucking <laughs> kick you off this show. <laughs> Sneaking it. Sneaking in references to like SpongeBob SquarePants. No, you've got Post Malone. <laughs> you've won. I mean, you've Riley won. Riley feels kind of very strongly it. about the popular soup known as coffee. Uh, fuck you, Milo. <laughs> fuck you. I'm replacing you with a fish. <laughs> um, but yeah, like foods, like we found like food is a really interesting way of like talking about these things. And it also seems to be something that's like really sort of neglected, even though food is like this really big part of our culture, especially now. Um, so it was like a really great documentary series and you can watch the food stuff on YouTube. You've got a Netflix series as well, or it's a series that is on now on Netflix. Yeah. So it's, it's been doing the rounds. Um, it's just been released in the UK. It's available in the States, Canada, most of the Middle East, India, South Africa. So it's, it's pretty much everywhere that there might be a Netflix. You're, you're likely to get it. So not in Russia. Hey. We'll know in a minute. Milo, get, get a Googling. Whatever like Russian Google is. Search on Yandex. I mean, I don't know. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, right. He's remembered Yandex. I who knows what I don't remember. trust people who use Yandex, though. They're like people in the West who use Bing. Mm. <laughs> Everyone here uses Google because people are normal. Mm. Uh, a lot of Bing content today in my day-to-day life. I miss um, Bing. Bing. No, but Bing. Your, your series, Food Exposed, has been released through Fusion TV. Um, where do you want people to find it? I want people to be able to just, I think, go onto the Fusion website, which is fusion.tv, um, or just literally Google um, Food Exposed with Nelifa Hidayat. Forget the name because you can't spell it, I promise you. <laughs> just just type in Food Exposed and it will come up. Yeah. and I don't care if you watch it legally or illegally. I mean, I don't. that's not my... Uh, my job is to kind of like present a bunch of stuff. Food. Expose some foods. Yeah. Some food stuffs. Expose some um, food stuffs. Yeah, in like a purely sexual way. Obviously. No, um, it's mostly like, about courgettes. Like, oh, completely. It's the but fake like, shake. Courgettes but for food. in places you'd never the think they'd be. The fake milkshake. Yes. <laughs> you, can't call, you can't even call it milkshake anymore. You have to call it a beverage. Did you guys hear about this? They've, they've been passing sort of laws that, that, that forbid. What, a milk people. beverage? Yeah, you can't call it milk. You can't. It's against. <laughs> yeah, it was the rules. too sexualized by Keyless. Yes, I mean we all remember that. All the uh-huh. more rel- what's the new yeah, one? Yeah, you have I'm to call sure. it a milk beverage duck now. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, no, so the it's whole series is basically me bathing in milk and like uh-huh. really like sensual. It's like a Cleopatra. Sexual- oh, completely. Yeah, it's yeah, a clear- yeah. At the end, yeah. you're bitten by an asp. It's great. <laughs> You're erotically bitten by an asp. <laughs> it's fantastic. I'm not going to say no to it. Just yet. <laughs> I enjoyed that reference. No, but um, so have you actually ever had to try any of this stupid ass like Silicon Valley food, like Huel? I spent an entire day um at this kind of food technology center, and these guys are super Silicon Valley. I mean. I just, I feel like the animosity wifting this way, wafting this way in the wifting. room. It's <laughs> palpable. No, like this entire day spent with um, Silicon Valley folk who are engineering what's going to be hot in 2020. I mean, that's how far advanced they work, right? So they already Wait, know. It takes it that long to heat up. So born now. <laughs> Wait, no. All levels of humor, ladies and gentlemen. All levels of humor. <laughs> I, for some reason, I just thought that 2020 was in 20 years. <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> I'm I'm not perverse. Oh, I'm just really dumb. <laughs> bacon, bacon I think the- it's the year 2000. What the fuck? <laughs> oh, yeah, I love that. Oh, love that. Yeah, bake, bake at 103 for this two years. Exactly. And then you have a sumptuous Christmas goose. Um, yeah, so we went, to, we went to these kind of like super... Um, techie places where they are designing most of our food and I use the word design deliberately because they literally sit there and decide what it is that's going to be trendy um what is going to be um kind of the it thing because food is in a way one of the most um it's a unifier right whatever you are you still got to eat um and we we congregate around Mm. food we celebrate around food we we um kind of um, do all sorts of human behavior and human activities around food. So it was one of the, the easiest ways for me to get into spaces um, and speak to people. But this uh, Silicon Valley place that we went to, um, they were kind of like trying to turn carrots to taste meaty and they were kind of like dehydrating them and then refree. It's, mm. It was just very, it's not what you associate with the food that you eat, but majority of the food that we eat is produced in places like that. Um, one of my friends, Brent, Rose, um, who's a tech writer for Wired and all, all sorts of other magazines, um, tried powdered alcohol 
Um, and actually it was an absolute failure, A, because he had a really, he snorted it, right? So he ended up having an incredibly, like the sore nose to actual getting drunk ratio just wasn't the right proportions <laughs> for him. So he was just super sober with like a terrible, like fiend nose. Um, but that kind of stuff is is common. They're trying to find novel ways of presenting presenting us things that we we should know how to do, which is like mm-hmm. eat, right? And that's that kind of that kind of segues into one of the two kind of key things that you touched on in in the series that I kind of want to think about, which is sort of well, the first one is is the superfood sort of utter insanity that appears to be gripping you know much of the um the Brooklyn and East London bits of the world. Oh God. Like I mean, is that it really? I think well, it's, it's, it, it's everywhere. Ah, yes. The two genders. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like it's that there is, there is this kind of universal mania of, where people sort of seem to be falling over themselves to sort of, you know, give someone, uh, I, if I, I remember that there's a, a very telling scene in your documentary where you've, you've sort of, you've gone into a shop to sort of see if you can get the same quantities of vitamins from, um, from superfoods as someone else can from a normal shop. And well, yeah. well, I went with a nutritionist, right? And she's, she's kind of um, on the fringes of, of the community because she refuses to, to follow this superfoods trend. Okay, so the basic premise of a superfood is that it can give you stuff that your body needs, but it can give you vast quantities of it and it can give you an array of them. So avocados, kale, uh, goji berries. We're told that, told that all of these kind of foods are going to make us better people, um, better looking, better health-wise, better. It can make you mentally and spiritually better, better off. Mm. Um, but what kind of goes along with that, and it's unsaid, mm. is it's going to make you poorer because these things are fucking expensive. <laughs> Just I mean, have you ever have you tried to buy Gucci berries recently, Wiley? Uh, recently, no. No, of course I haven't. No, I'm. I told you, I'm bourgeois a degenerate. Way you say, need to get laid. I don't believe that for a second. I bet you don't even buy it from Whole Foods. I bet there's like a little organic place down the road that you pop off. Okay, there was this one girl. She was on a real berry thing. All right. was really hot. <laughs> Milo, is that supposed to be me? <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> no, I, as, as, as you know, I spend all of my money on shit that's going to kill me. Well, Gucci berries. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> but these kind of like the claims are <laughs> astonishing. You know, they're going to revitalize. They're going to rejuvenate. They're going to make you think sharper and your skin, your, your acne or your man acne or whatever it is, is going to disappear and you're going to get that girl and that job and the, I mean, it's it's actually, it's like that. That's you know, um, that's that first scene of Train Spotting. You just think you're gonna kind of like make it. You know, mm. this thing is gonna give you everything you need, and actually, it's all a facade. Mm. So I went in with a nutritionist, and I have to say, I am that wanker. All right, I'm gonna come clean. Mm. I'm gonna call it like it is. I am that wanker that goes into Whole Foods and buys Gucci berries for fourteen pounds ninety nine. It's not even enough to make a goddamn smoothie, um, <laughs> because I I want to well, believe yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, right? I only eat. Gucci berries because I'm all about eating a large quantity of vitamin A. Exactly. Ass. Yes, and all of the antioxidants. The only and all vitamin. That. The only vitamin there is. Yeah. The, you see, you hear antioxidants kind of say, "Oh well, yes, this has a lot of antioxidants." So we have a, a garlic pill. We have an acai smoothie. We have sort of, and and we're gonna sort of sell you, you know, I don't know, a hundred grams of a dried berry for fourteen dollars. Uh, and it's it's you know it, it always strikes me it's a sort of edible self help. 
Yeah, but it's 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 internalizing that 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 um, insecurity, right? Mm-hmm. So what happens is you end up buying these things, um, and a you Instagram it the minute you buy it because you want to be that girl with that perfect acai berry at seven thirty five in the morning. How the fuck? Stacy, how did you get up that early to make that bowl of acai? I want to know, Stacy. I want to know. Um, but either way, like it's it's this kind of like Stacy's bowl it's this- has got it going on, but where does she find the time? Ah, <laughs> oh, the non-committal song parody. Russia's, wow. Russia's broken him. Wow. There's, there's only like one superfood in Russia, right? And that's dill. <laughs> Oh fuck! Dill is so bad. They put it in everything. You want a cheap superfood? Dill. The I only reason they eat dill. it is that it grows like a literal weed anywhere. It's like it's like if people in England just put stinging nettles in everything, including foreign food. Like if I went to Brick Lane and I was served a curry with fucking stinging nettles <laughs> on top of it, and I was like, "Why is this?" and they were like, "It's good for you," and I'd yeah. be like, "No." Yeah. It's we eat it back home. I have it's had like, pasta carbonara and, and the Russian curry houses in Brooklyn. They're, they're infamous. Yeah. Um, but the the point was was this: I walked. We I genuinely didn't expect it to be. You know, a lot of the stuff that we do is TV magic. Mm. But I genuinely didn't expect to walk in there and walk out and be quite. I feel quite as silly as I did in the end. She made me. The nutritionist genuinely made me feel like you've bought into a hype. Um, and when you when you when you're confronted with that. It's 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 quite because I think of myself as a super woke person. I'm aware. Mm. I listen to the news. You woke up at seven thirty-five and made that smoothie. How did you, Stacy? I still want to know. <laughs> Fucking Stacy. Um, but the point is, is is the these kind of like, and so I went and bought like a bunch of kale, and she bought some spinach. I went and bought goji berries. She literally bought carrots, and they do the same thing, but they just don't give you that that hit. You know, they don't mm. they don't give you that thing you need in your head to make yourself believe that you're a better person the, i think i think a lot of the sort of anglo-american upper class has a kind of brain sickness where they because ultimately american protestants are all calvinists and american capitalists are all calvinists and they have this insecurity that they're somehow not getting ahead in some way that they're, they're not damned that they're, they're literally not, never gonna yeah. be that they're not doing everything they possibly can to be as perfect and special and beautiful and uh, giving themselves as much edge as possible and so it's almost like a way of alleviating your insecurity about your own status as a worthwhile person is the, well, no, I've got, I'm, I'm crushing up my own goji berries in like a stone mortar and pestle. And then I'm doing, you know, an hour of yoga while drinking it in the morning. And that makes me better than all the poors who are, you know, having a fucking hash brown. Nettle soup, bruv. That's what they're Whereas being. Whereas I could just do what we did and start a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but, but I think there's like a lot of like human insecurity that comes behind that as well, right? It's not just a matter of like, you know, putting one, like, you know, trying to one up someone else. It's also about trying to feel better about yourself. So, and one of the, the scenes, most part, through cons- like consumption, right? One of the scenes that was cut, um, you know, we end up shooting about 160 hours and we turn it into 47 minutes. A lot of stuff gets cut. So, one of the things that got cut was a scene we shot not too far from here with a young woman who has orthorexia. In the caliphate of Tower Hamlets? You get yeah, quite. Jazakallah. Um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> the 1979 revolution is alive and well. I believe in it. I cherish it. It's in me. Um, but, but Go green revolution, go. Um, but it is this, this orthorexia is what becomes the problem. So orthorexia is an illness, an eating disorder where you only eat things that you perceive to be healthy. And some of the people that I met at the clinic, 
um, they had a combination of sort of bulimia and orthorexia or um, they had anxiety. They had lots of kind of issues, but it all circled around this thing, this need to be pure and innocent and healthy and, um, you know, straight edge and all of this kind of thing was kind of like amalgamating in this, in this thing that was killing them, this illness that was killing them. And that's mm. where the, that's where the, the end game is. Like if you're not careful about this sort of stuff, preaching this sort of stuff. Yeah. Because there is, and that's the thing that's, there is this kind of belief, I think among the clean eaters, the Instagram superfooders and so on, not just that. And there's this, there's this combination. There is this, in this one sense, they're running from being like everybody else. But in the other sense, they're running to a sort of imagined salvation, right? From all of the filthy sort of ugliness of modernity. They're sort I, of- I genuinely think, I, and, I, and it took me a little while to come to this. Um, I genuinely believe food is such a personal fucking thing, right? Whether we do it publicly or, we, or we're by ourselves. It's such an inherently personal thing um, that when you start to develop a problem around, I mean, it, it, it becomes us in so many ways, psychologically, sociologically, um, and to a large extent, I agree with you. I think, I think it, it does come to a point where you're, you're eating all of those feelings, that, that self-hate, that um, insecurity, and then you're churning out all these images that we get on Insta of these perfect bodies and these yogi mm. mums and these mm. amazing acai It's bowls. marketing. It's, it's essentially just marketing. It's a multi-trillion dollar business, yeah. you know? And that's Th- like, that first yeah. publicist that got Beyonce to wear that kale t-shirt, she nailed it. She knew it had nothing to do with nutritional value and it had everything to do with being aspirational. And that's, that's I mean, I've, I've been sort of thinking about this for a couple of days, right? Like, um, if I, I'm just going to, I'm going to steer the ship of state just a little bit toward Marx for a moment. Um, <laughs> I'm shocked. <laughs> I wasn't expecting this. You're talking about like this like all day. So, yeah. go um, on. Where like, Look, if you think of like the most basic unit of economic exchange, it goes money, commodity, money. But with, especially with the superfoods, it feels like the commodity is just, it's, it's shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. The actual use value of the commodity is shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. And it's sort of imagined, it's, fet- it's fetishized status. It's kind of growing and growing and growing. And so it feels like increasingly this is this, sort of weird adrenaline fueled just mm exchange with a tiny little c in the middle in the middle of it it's even more adrenaline fueled please oh i'm sorry i beg your pardon um it's it's even more (laughs) insidious than that it's kind of it's got to the point now where um i think society as ever kind of is more reactionary than it is anything else so we've gone through the stage in the in the 80s 90s and early noughties where we were eating shitloads of Weetos. We were going out and cheap was good. So the more food we can get in our buckets, the more food we can get on our plates. It was a sign of prosperity. And China's going through that at the moment. One of the episodes you haven't seen because it hasn't aired yet. It's an exclusive episode. It's the pork (laughs) episode. Um, I went to China for that, Hong Kong, North Carolina, um, to to see exactly where kind of food politics becomes becomes an, an issue of ideology. But to your point, it, it, it is this frenzy. We're so sick of what we have become, these fat, obese bastards, that this is our way of dealing with that self-hate. That's dialectics, baby. Boom. <laughs> Nailed also, it. I mean, there's also like a class component, and I guess we like sort of alluded to that, right? Which is, and as you kind of say, like you can afford to make those kind of self-loathing decisions if you're wealthy enough to do it, right? And I feel that's like so 
that kind of is really at the center of like our national conversation around food anyway. Um, so you my, know, like yeah. fat people are meant to, made to feel ugly and stupid and thick. Yeah. That's where we are now in our society. And also like, not thick girls. No, I'm saying, I'm saying. Um, but you know, you know, they're also like, you know, their choices are like, you know, economically limited, but they're also blamed for that. So they're basically, you know, so they're basically told that because you're a failure, because like you're a failure when it comes to like your food, you're a failure when it comes to everything else and vice versa. It's like this kind of very strange, very kind of sinister trap. Did you get this from my dog? Uh, God damn. Yeah, yeah. It taught me a good job. It it, it taught me some stuff, but bear in mind that like really the only thing that I tend to watch is like SpongeBob SquarePants. It's fine. I understand. I'm glad you made an exception. And of course, SpongeBob SquarePants, the original Japanese edition. Where, where SpongeBob is, is one of three children destined to save humanity by piloting a giant mech made of his mother to fight angels. Yeah, but like if it seemed, it seemed like that seemed to like really be a point that hits home, but also one that's kind of reinforced. That's been reinforced so much in our political culture is like basically since the New Labour years, right? Um, probably before, but like obviously like a moment that I can rec- like that most of our generation can recognize. I feel like this is where we are at the moment is sort of like a perversion of that where you've just basically gone to an extreme. It's, no, it's not a matter of like, oh, you know, you go and buy porridge, for example, rather than wheatos. It's like, you know, you go buy like stuff, you know, you go buy stuff you, you can make. You're going to buy your quinoa. You're going to buy your super food. Stuff you can buy like overnight oats with mm-hmm. or, you know, acai, you know, acai berries or goji berries or just like all these kind of things that you can only get from fucking Whole Foods, right? Yeah. Like, or like loads of these berries and stuff, like you can only really get from, from a Whole Foods, not like even a big supermarket. Thank you. I mean, you know, thank God. Like it's a, a, at least only the rich are being foisted this no, shit but, on. No, but imagine being that mother of three working two jobs trying to do the best for your kids and you know you can't afford those fucking Gucci berries, mm. right? Imagine that guilt, that trauma that's brought on on you. So it's it's this incredibly multi-led, multi-faceted issue. When we talk about this this um, commodification of food rather than food as sustenance rather mm. than food stuff. Strange value rather than use value, baby. The solution, the solution is obvious. Two for one Goji berry pizzas. Problem solved. Next. Oh my God. <laughs> My man prefiguring. Oh my god! <laughs> Hell yeah! Foreshadowing. I'm buying my tickets to here. Russia. I'm out here just throwing ideas wild. <laughs> you're, you're, out, you're out here almost indicating that we're about to be talking about Jamie Oliver's ridiculous pizza plan at some Hello. point, Milo. Either that, or he's going to move back to London and he's going to set up like a food store in um, Columbia Road Market. Yeah, but I am the idiot that will go to a Gucci Berry Pizza Joy. To any unethical entrepreneurs uh, listening to our Marxist podcast, uh, you have your first customer. I am. I am the perfect consumer. I think that, that kind of gets gets into something though, especially this point about new labor is that under new labor, you know, every, every per it's, it was, a, everyone a, got a two for one pizza. <laughs> every, everyone got it. They didn't have, they didn't have a problem with every people getting rid two for one pizza rich. Yeah. Cause it was, um, it was wrong to say that. Right. Do you well, remember? But I think in, in new labor, there was this process started where uh, uh, just intense, like in, individualization, commodification, sort of people became their own businesses almost and that you had to then optimize yourself or you were going to get an ASBO or you were going to get like allowed to fail downward or you were going to be um, sort of just, you know, quite simply ignored. It was a kind of brutalization of society that I think has brought about, especially in, 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 in England and, and the, the UK really, that sort of brought about this sort of 
we, we sort of forget there are social pressures and we just sort of think of everyone as kind of these autonomous individuals bouncing around, sort of making choices based on you know, maybe imperfect information. And that's where you get the point of view of England's dumbest celebrity chef. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> Who could it be? I mean, there are a lot of contenders. I mean, tennis says it's Nigella. Tennis no, says it's no, Nigella. You can't talk, talk Come on, about don't give no. me that. No, I've no, never been so aroused watching a food program. It is not okay, man. They're just <laughs> eggs, man. Put them in the fucking pan. What is wrong with you, you salacious I mean, like, woman? I mean, yeah. Ni- Nigella just out there doing coke and eating brownies. Like, I've got, I've got so much time for it. <laughs> yeah, and she's making me buy like organic fucking wheatgrass to, to have on the weekends. And she's up there like who, living a life. Who do you think is more damaging, Nigella Lawson or Anthony from Queer Eye? Now... This is a whole podcast by itself. I was going to say Anthony Worrell Thompson. That would have been such a great reference. Oh God, that piece of actual meat. Um, oh God, As I can't. Vegan, I know you're a vegan, Thompson. so I know you consider so, yeah. that disparaging. So I'm massively no, exactly. That I call. I, and also, I think I'm not allowed to say that. Wait, what? I can't. I can't refer to living beings as meat. I went to the um, animal like liberation conference out in Berkeley the other. Yeah. Is that the other vegan month? rule. I think you're, you're, I think I have to call all living things persons, or I get told off by the vegan lobby. Okay, look, look, look at all those people outside. Yeah, on the trees. Those, those, those big, those big green leafy people. Oh, the, the, yeah, the trees. No, exactly. Mm. Um, but to your point. Yeah. Um, I think I would probably say Nigella's more destructive to society. Yes. No. I cannot cook without feeling the need to wear the push-up bra. I mean, it's wrong. <laughs> it's just insensitive, Nigella. <laughs> well, Stop it. Um, in terms of, look, she may be one of Britain's most damaging celebrity chefs because she's making the entire country inexplicably horny all the time. <laughs> um, which, and you know, if, if I've learned anything from having lived in Britain for the last sort of seven or eight years, is that Britons really need to never be horny or else like just society ends. Completely. Um, yeah, this is a, this is, this is a country that developed <laughs> polite nervousness for a reason. Um, no, I am talking, I'm talking about Jamie Oliver. Uh, Jamie Oliver is, uh, for those of our listeners who do not know, because we have like half of our audience is American, uh, is a British celebrity chef who is all about food being natural and, and, and nice and, and nutritious and so on, which in theory is fine. Um, but Basically practice, a man who has a lot of missionary sex. <laughs> <laughs> he also still uses the word pucker. I mean... He still uses pucker. That is an affront to Britishness. It's like, two, it's like 2018. Get over it. You're not a common person. Okay, you're not one of us. Move on, posh boy. Yeah, Jamie Oliver is famously very posh. <laughs> my, my brother went to school with Jamie Oliver. Explains it. I mean, true, true that's all we need to say here. <laughs> no, no, no. State school, though. Not like uh, not a posh no. school, to be but fair. He's, he's a multimillionaire trying to tell mothers that turkey twizzlers are going to like destroy their child's brain without offering any solutions other than cooking a meal in 15 minutes flat. Mm-hmm. You did a lot of pre-preparation there, Jamie. Calm the fuck down, son. Not everyone has TV fucking magic. Exactly. <laughs> not everyone records 167 hours of dinner and then only produces 47. <laughs> um no, it's that it's essentially the. This, I'm not bad at my job. The TV, the TV chef uh, has uh, successfully lobbied Nicola Sturgeon to pledge a ban on two for one pizza deals in Scotland uh, and other to similar multi buy promotions. Caviar. And and so the the idea is, and by this is um, an article by uh, 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 Tristan Cross uh, for Shortlist, which is very good. I recommend you read it. I'm sort of pulling some stuff from it now, um, but that he he basically says that. It, but this is his more or less his approach, where he 
imagined society to be basically individualized and created of individuals making rational choices. And so if you can alter, if you can alter the calculus a little bit, you know, if you can make, make it harder to buy pizza, then, you know, the, um, that single mother of three who's on, you know, dealing with the universal credit rollout, or I guess they're in Scotland, so they wouldn't be, but on, say, JSA, is going to be sort of forced to make their uh, kids a, a wonderful garden salad with some affordable vegetables. Okay, let me, so two things here. First of all, Jamie Oliver, you could do one, all right, with that kind of rationality, right? Secondly, we have to understand the way that the food industrial complex works in order to be able to really interrogate and answer that question. So when we look at food, oftentimes a lot of people will say like, oh, but KFC buckets are $9.99. They're so bloody cheap. I need to feed my kids and I haven't got the resources to be able to cook them that amazing quinoa and beetroot salad. Do you know what I mean? The, the problem is, is that we're prepaying for that, right? In the form of subsidies that we offer to any farmer who's willing to make the dairy and the meat that we consume. Vegetables don't tend to have lobbies. There ain't no carrot lobby. There ain't no beetroot lobby. But we do have a very very effective dairy and meat lobby in Europe. All of our laws come... Where are you at when we need you, the vegans? Do you know what I mean? We're concerned about who's meat and who isn't. Not Uh, lobbying for the Excuse me, we're too busy, like, aligning our chakras to be worried about, Mm. like, getting our hands dirty with actual politics. Have you ever tried to actually pick the perfect Instagram filter to make it look like you haven't picked a filter? It's Ludwig. Ludwig is the best one. Do you know what? That's true for Asians. This is why it works. Ludwig's the best filter. So true. Everything. This universal. But but we we have already paid that that KFC costing nine ninety nine is not true. It's not accurate because we have paid through the teeth in the form of subsidies in the form of taxation to these industries to subsidize the cost of the final product that we consume. So in fact, that KFC chicken should cost twenty nine ninety nine. But it doesn't because that's the way our food industrial complex has been designed. So how in God's green earth, Jamie Oliver thinks that, that, that this woman or these people, by, by charging them more upfront for that pizza, is going to nudge their behavior in the right direction is absurd. And it's incredibly classist, which makes sense because it's Jamie Oliver. Well, like, this is Look, actually- guys, Prohibition worked incredibly well with drugs. So why won't it work with pizza? This That's is right. this this actually leads me into another people another, like secretly making pizzas in the Amazon jungle. Most pizzas actually come from the same Colombian prison, uh, but then actually by the time it gets to the UK streets, it's mostly flatbread. Yeah, exactly, completely. I, I can feel it, you know. It's I can feel it. I can feel it when I'm biting cut with acai. <laughs> No, um, this brings me to the next bit of, of 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 this article where Jamie says, you know, um. I meet people who say, you just don't understand what it's like you know, to be poor. You know, he continues, I just want to hug them and teleport them to the Sicilian street cleaner who has 25 muscles, 10 cherry tomatoes, and a packet of spaghetti for 60 pence and knocks out the most amazing pasta. Well, I wish, oh, yes. I wish muscles I was Sicilian. In the UK, <laughs> cheap food. Would I ever take a hug from Jamie Oliver, even if that were the outcome? Yeah. It's like, is the word that he uses before oh, we would teleport? Of course, we was only half Sicilian, so we could only make half the pasta. <laughs> uh, it's a flatbread. That's so right? racist. It's, 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 I, I can't, I, I can't, I, it, this, it is so in, incredibly a blinkered view of the idea that there are different, say, uh, national priorities as opposed to different individual priorities. It's like he says, like you say, he takes all of the incentives, um, that actually exist in the way people prepare food today. And he assumes they're exogenous. He's just like, well, I assume everyone's going to have access to a market like that. 
I assume everyone's going to live under this same kind of subsidy regime. I assume they're going to be they're still going to say have a regular job that maybe pays them a decent minimum wage. They can actually, you know, still afford to purchase all this stuff whenever. I assume they're only going to have one job. So they actually have time to prepare this admittedly delicious sounding meal. More importantly, I assume that they have a the know how and b the capabilities in terms of literally like we're talking literally. Do they have the equipment, the space, the shops nearby? Does their the geography of where they live afford them the opportunity to walk down the road and pick a few plum cherry tomatoes and mosey on down to your mozzarella farm and grab a bit of a no yeah. fuck's sake it's Glasgow get with the program the other thing that I think is really kind of it's such a loaded thing he's saying there's so much there's so many kind of it's a really really loaded um kind of way to put it it's to assume that people will make the right decisions because people think in like a really linear fashion. And when you show them the right, it's such a righteous, very Calvinistic perspective that, well, when I show you the right path, surely you'll go and walk on it. No, we're, we're people. We're people. That's not how it kind of works. It's, it's, almost, it's almost the same thing with like that sort of, with that orthorexy, right? Where it's like, no, we, 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 must, we must make the people moral. You know, we, we have to be a nation that lives in fucking yoga pants. Um, and okay, <laughs> okay fine. Okay, I will not, I will not stand for it, sir. They're very, they're very comfortable. They're very, very comfortable. I will not stand for it. I can't believe you guys are ganging up on me. Fucking, <laughs> is that the line? Yoga Riley, Riley and Hussein are just online thoughts now. <laughs> I'm just, I'm posting booty it's pics now. Yoga pants Instagram filters. All the time. Like that's because I'm no, because I'm just basically just doing clean Stop. eating. Right? No, one, but, one, one of the key things is also that he just blames the individual, right? So he yeah. blames like, you know, as you've kind of said that, you know, the economics of how cheap food works is quite dark and it's sinister and like openly like discriminates against like the poorest in society. These are the ones that like in theory he's trying to reach, right? But the solution that he's positing is also one that has come out of like successive like conservative governments since, you know, the Thatcher period, which was all about, you know, get on your bike and do it yourself. And like, you know, don't, get on your bike. you know, these corporations, you know, they, they're just like, you know, noble entrepreneurs. And, you know, if you don't, you, you know, you should take some responsibility like them so that you too can become a CEO, right? But it's negating entirely. It's like trying to solve a problem with literally only 2% of, 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 of the actual picture in place. You yeah. cannot, this is not the responsibility of individuals because we have an industrial food system. Yeah. We, do, I don't, we don't have a subsistent food system where everyone is allotted and given by yeah. rights. It's not Sicily. It's not Sicily. Mm. Ain't nobody got that time. Oh. This around the food supply like a family. It's about, uh, it's about respect. <laughs> you bring me this deep fried cigarette pizza. What is this? <laughs> You bring. Where's the salsage? I mean, if I was Jamie Oliver, I would just teach everyone that recipe from the the pasta recipe from Goodfellas. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> the the thing is, poor families today in Scotland aren't life in the garlic selfie and it dissolves into the sauce. <laughs> <laughs> They're using too many onions. <laughs> <laughs> don't put too um, many onions a, in the to, sauce a bit, to, to a bit, not to bring it back to seriousness here though but but what he's doing is a bit look he has a platform he has the ear of prime ministers and presidents he is able to affect change should he want to 
he has the ability to go against these lobby groups, to go against these industrial kind of farming techniques, to go against factory farming. He doesn't. He chooses to shun all of that in favor of telling whoever out in Scotland that buying two pizzas at the same time is some kind of moral uh, wrong. You know, so, so it's worse than that. It's if, I, if you and I or, who, or any one of us went out and went, two for our pizzas, fuck them, you fat size. That's one thing. But if we had the ear of the policymakers, it's kind of more, it, it, it's, it makes me sad. It's because the inherent, the inherent assumption that, that Jamie Oliver is making is that it's kind of, it's better to go hungry than to eat anything but perfectly. Correct. So, which makes, him exa- which makes him exactly the same as like an Instagram influencer, right? So here's a funny story. Another <laughs> Jamie, little- Jamie Oliver's official position is let them eat ass. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, here's a funny story. So um, one of the um, people that I try to speak to on the series, because the series has got a lot of uh, sort of influential people in it. We spoke to Moby. We spoke to James Cromwell, who's currently in prison, serving a sentence for his activism. We spoke to people that I admire, respect and look up to because... They take the platform that they've gained through whatever other means and, and use it to propagate more useful messages. Like, hey, maybe it's not the mother of three. Maybe it's like the fucking beef lobby. Um, and, these, and one of the people that we really tried to get for the superfood episode was um, Delicious Liella. Now, I spoke to her people for like a month. I filled in NDAs on NDAs on NDAs, right? And I, tr- I really wanted her to be on board because she, is, she had said, I used to eat normal um, and I had loads of health problems. And then I went vegan or plant-based, whatever you want to call it. And now I'm, look at me, I have a dog and a boyfriend and all these pop-up shops and I've got my own range and whole foods and Planet Organic and woo. Class had nothing to do with it. It had nothing to do with it. Don't look at the accent. <laughs> look at the cereal bars. Um, and, and she, in the last minute, her, her publicist, um, literally the day before cancelled. So we had this big hole in our film that she was going to, exactly, quite. Um, And um, when I asked her why, you know, why why would you cancel? Like, this is really important. I want you to speak on it. And she said, um, well, her people said to me um, that you're using the word clean eating and orthorexia. And this seems to us to be a film not about food, but about politics. Yeah. And because I they're was both like, these two, yeah, they're, these they're two both famously separate. Yeah, things. these two things that are completely different from one another and never overlap. No, but what do you say? What do you say to that? So I just went, no shit. Like, <laughs> yes, that is what we hysterically in this very, very kind of like shrill voice, like, duh, you idiot, idiot person. Of course, I want to talk to you about politics. Yeah, but 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 this assumption that these two things are separate. A food show not about politics is a cooking show. Exactly. Um, Even that's about politics. Mm-hmm. Even like, you know, Great British Bake Off, definitely about imperialism. Oh yeah, really? absolutely. Um, the great, you know, more like the Great British Make Off with the Elgin yeah. Marbles. Yay! We just <laughs> so had to get, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I, I hate the Great British Bake Off so much. Like, no, so but I, I'm gonna, probably going to get a lot of hate for saying this, but it's just, I think it's just the most like mind numbing drivel of a program. Like, look at the pretty cakes. Mate, fuck look off. at them. Fuck look off. at the cakes. One of them, I second no, that. No, one of them made this like really fucking great gingerbread house. It was dope. It was so good. But could anyone afford to live the in only it? Ideologically no, pure TV no, chef no, no, no. The only thing I can afford to fucking live in. No, but shared, right. shared ownership, baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, the, um, well, it's, oh, yeah, go ahead. 
what I was going to say was like with the incident with delicious, deliciously Ella, not delicious Ella, because that could be problematic. Yeah. Um, you want me to say it? Uh, well, no, famously in like the no go zone of Tower Hamlets, we're not actually even allowed to say women's names because it's haram. Uh, uh, no, we, we can say women's names. We just need to, say, we need to say them into a napkin. <laughs> and also, don't make eye contact with me. I'm a female. Okay, when you say it, just look down. Um, it's so, like in Limers. So the incident with Deliciously Ella is also one where you never really spoke to her. You spoke to her people all the time, right? It kind of shows that there's this like infrastructure around because. I'm assuming that she's just like a food influence. She's someone who's basically made a name out of like cooking and promoting like, you know, healthy food products and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, plant-based foods. Um, in a way that like is portrayed to be authentic, right? So these foods are a way to kind of get to the lifestyle that you want. And we've all met people who are like that. Even in like male spaces, that's like the same in, in the sense that like you don't necessarily have, you know, that sort of like aspir. you know, you'll have your whole life together in, you know, you'll have your, your whole life sorted out. But the influences in male spaces are ones where, like, if you take this, like, type of protein supplement or if you take, you know, eat, you know, one of the big things is, like, intermittent fasting in, like, bodybuilding spaces. And there's, like, a whole industry that's built around, like, um, built around that. And I tried to interview a couple of these guys about whether, like, intermittent fasting is actually bullshit because it's really just a manipulation of time. It's just Ramadan for white people, man. Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> just call it out, man. I, Damn. I, I, I'm, I'm very politically correct. Oh, I'm because, sorry. Yeah, I'm not Maybe like we could cut that out. I didn't know that. No, we're sorry. keeping Ramadan oh, okay. for white people. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's fine. It's good. It's good. Um, I always Ramadan thought Ramadan for white, for white people, people was no comedian January. Dennis Rodman, but there we go. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> to your, so, to your point. No, no, no. So, you know, this type of like infrastructure, this cultural infrastructure is like, now commonplace thanks to like you know basically like apps like instagram and snapchat and stuff like that um but it also goes to show that it's really difficult to hold these people to account right so so even if they are like taking very political like they are taking political positions maybe not in like a conventional sense like party politics sense but they are taking political positions and that's right? not to say there aren't like food celebrities like we interviewed a couple of like c- f- celebrity food people but influencers you're right completely yeah. in that they do not there's no there's no way to kind of address what they're doing because those spaces are seen to be so apolitical anyway so if you're if you're literally and if you follow deliciously ella she's got over a million followers on instagram it's a bunch of acai bowls. It's her amazing squash feta, whatever, not feta because she's plant-based, a salad. Um, they are meant to be inert, but underneath that, there's a substratum of class, of politics, yeah. of, of, of this engineered um, way that we're supposed to consume food under this layer of authenticity, right? Yeah. It's presented as, because the, the reason, and, like, it's presented as an ideal, but the only way to access that ideal is to have restricted, is to have access to restricted resources or to sort of restricted products. And so the imagination that it isn't political is so, yeah. okay, but that's, but that's a standard liberal assumption, right? That there are some things that are politics and there are some things that are not politics. No, is, don't bring politics is, into food. This is why you should eat with everyone. And this is why after this podcast, I will be eating with the alt-right yes. at uh-huh. Wendy's. Absolutely. Wow. The, um, you and the football lads alliance. Because, wow. because even though we disagree on the very going fundamental- out, Going out for some sushi and milk with the boys. <laughs> <laughs> the fundamental means of like who should survive in this country and who okay. shouldn't. 
you know, we can put our differences aside. Over, over some hot hot wings? Over some over some hot wings, yeah. some halal, some veggie burgers. Or, or in, in uh. Paul Joseph Watson's case, over a book. <laughs> it's like, actually, that's when the alt-right and the libs unite, yeah. is never forget that both Paul Joseph Watson and Richard Goodwin, Matthew Goodwin, rather, both ate a book <laughs> in public because of proving a point. And because they're plant-based. <laughs> because they're plant-based! On a big just... map mm, table. Essential cloth. inks. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the things, actually, the one idea of, of like self-help that you can eat just gave me the idea of eating Jordan Peterson's book. <laughs> 12 Fuels <laughs> for Life. And tweeting at him, like, did I do it right? <laughs> what? One of the things that was like really fundamental when it came to like the intersection of food and politics was like this section in the Superfoods episode towards the end when you're talking about like communities where like acai is like a fundamental part of their diet, right? And how, so I think it was in Brazil where one of the guys, you asked like one of the guys like, when did you find out that like this price had just gone up of like this very staple food in your community? I can't remember exactly what he says, but it was like, it was just like very suddenly like, you know, these demands for exports. And I think like at that moment, it's like, you know, you can really see where that intersection comes in because this consumption of acai where it's deemed to be in, like unpolitical in this space, it's just one where like you want to kind of improve your body and cleanse it or whatever. Like it does have a political consequence on the other side of the world. Whether you like it or not, not I mean, that's yeah. if if I had to say what is the general thesis of the entire eight episodes, and we go from water, water rights, through to pork, through to the dairy industry, uh, GMOs. I mean, we do a whole, we do a raft of. If I had to say, there's one kind of. Um, lay it motif throughout the whole of the series it's this it's that our decisions in the first world because whatever we might be your friends later on in wendy's your alt-right pals yeah, my okay? buddies. your my- buddies your pals yeah. um whether it's them or us in here um the decisions we make in the first world have a disproportionate yeah. effect on people living in developing nations they carry the brunt of our decisions and that was the point that i was trying to make in that yeah. scene that um, whilst we were walking around trying to find acai for like almost nothing because that was what it used to cost. Um, I'm out here paying six pound a bowl, you know? For a pizza. But, but, <laughs> acai pizza. <laughs> acai pizza. Uh, Gucci berry acai. Miley, are you writing this down? I mean, we're giving you gold. Um, for your new pizzeria. <laughs> the, tr- the trash future stenographer. I mean, the, tr- the trash future pizza J- Jamie really Oliver like- going into a, into a pizza hut in Glasgow like, oh, my man, could I have a bowl of your finest pizza, please? <laughs> <laughs> Organic, of course. With a, with a side of dill dip. Exactly. <laughs> I hate everything you say about food, Hussein. Seriously. <laughs> I fucking hate it. It dill makes me dip? sick every time I'm here. Dipping soup into, <laughs> dipping a pizza soup into a dill sauce. You were fucking, you were fucking psychotic. Maybe you could use a bit of orthorexy. <laughs> I'm actually going to be like the Jared Leto character in the Oliver Twist reboot oh, yeah. po- with Post Malone. Yeah. Steel <laughs> <laughs> shit. Dipping Was sushi into no, some coffee soup. Stuff. Um, I think that the main thesis of all of the, yeah. all of the various episodes, we went to, okay, so we went to 16 countries. We did over 162,000 miles around the world. Wow. Um, we looked at every issue that I could possibly want to uncover through food. Yeah. Um, but that layer motif is the decisions we make in the first world impact disproportionately people living in developing nations. Yeah. And you've just hit that on the head. So if there were listeners who wanted to kind of, they, you know, they want to be more conscious about the stuff that they eat and drink, but they don't want to like be dickheads and get goji berry pizzas. Um, Unless it's two for one, obviously. Uh, Unless it's two for one and you're trying to feed your baby influencer. (laughs) Uh, 
Branding, um, baby. What were like the things Brandon, that- but it's spelled B-R-A-N-D-Y-N. <laughs> what, what were like the things that you learned that you would kind of say would be good steps for people living in the West to take? I think it, mainly watch my series because it will explain it all. <laughs> Always hustling. <laughs> Always hustling. Step one to um, being a good person, consume our content. <laughs> Subscribe to Trash Future. It'll make I mean, you a better person. Do you like, do you, when, when there's like threads, do you like just go and like, share if, if, and subscribe? If you, like, the three if you do like a big viral tweet, you can just put down like, you know, watch my series. At, that, like, that's literally li- all li- I you, ever do. Listen to my SoundCloud documentary. Yeah. Oh my God. Are you feeling really depressed right now? Do you know what you can do with this is really good food exposed thing online. Um, but, but, I think, yeah, watch the film seriously because this kind of information isn't available to us. And if it is, it's in obscure journals. It's in kind of, it's not, it's not, pardon the pun, a palatable way of kind of consuming this sort of information. Don't look at me like that, Riley. Don't look at me like that. Back into the caliphate with you. (laughs) I'm a guest there, okay. (laughs) We made you and we can destroy you. (laughs) I assume. (laughs) I'll allow it. Um, I think if you want to be a person who does a thing, because what happens with all of the films I've ever made, whether the traffickers, which is on Netflix or food exposed is people walk away feeling super guilty. And that seems to be my MO. It's I make films that make people feel super guilty, but I'm, I, I want to make, because we are responsible for these things. Look, I was born in Kabul, right? I'm a child of the, of the, of the Afghan war. So I, I teeter between this existence as a, first world consumer and, yeah. and someone who's very tethered to my Afghan um, background and heritage. Mm. So I know what it's like to be on both sides of those things. Um, not to mention the amount of travel that I've done kind of reinforces those ideas that I have. Um, I think yeah. if you want to be a person who can affect change, do it locally mm. um, in every sense of that word. So mm. you have to, you have to eat locally mm. because the wokest thing you can do is popularize dill as a superfood to fuck over the Russians. I second that. <laughs> <laughs> Milo, you and I are going to open our little dill farm uh, somewhere <laughs> out in Bethnal Green's greener pastures. There's got to be something like Hundreds of kinds of dill, dill soups, dill coffees, <laughs> also soups. Well, you can make dill condoms. Call it dill dills. Oh, I have been. I'm in. I look. I've, I've made that joke four times now because I, I really it deserve it, it deserved recognition. I'm sorry about that. To the listener, um, I'm sorry you had to hear it so many times. Not everyone got it. Fuck, he know. means me. So I think the main the main thing is is eat locally, try to source your food more ethically. By that I don't mean walk into Whole Foods and assume it's all going to be all right. Um, try to understand that these discussions and debates need to be had as much on the farm as they do in the halls of power. You can affect change by um, tr- if you're in, in the states. There's a lot of sort of ag gag laws that prevent the work that activists like Direct Ag-gag. Action Everywhere, agricultural. Don't look me like that. Agricultural <laughs> gagging laws. <laughs> Loving that bondage down on the I farm. I was expecting you to say something. I was expecting you to say something. Yeah, and the joke was that I, I didn't. Left it blank for you. I left it blank. And you know what? When it was time to make a gag joke, I choked. <laughs> like if I if I didn't exactly. if I wasn't so said. poor and couldn't risk dropping this mic, I would totally drop it. <laughs> But I know I've, I've heard of ag gag, but just quickly for our listeners. So agricultural gagging orders and laws are, are laws in certain states, for example, North Carolina, Missouri, places that I visited where activists and people who work in those establishments are forbidden by penalty of a federal crime charge of recording or uh, reporting on anything they see witnessed in oh, those wow. factory farms. Now, 
a phenomenal activist organization that I wholeheartedly support, one of two, um, is a group called Direct Action Everywhere, DXC, and um, that's run by Wayne Xiang. And he is now um, in court currently fighting nine felonies because he removed sick pigs, sick goats, and sick chickens from these factory farms. That was his crime. Um, so when I say that, that, that these, needs, these debates and these discussions, and as consumers, it's our responsibility to fight on the farm, as well as in the halls of power, that's what I mean. We can do a thing. I'm not saying go and get like a felony charge, yeah. um, but I'm saying maybe, you know, take that action as much in, 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 um, in the world we live in, in the first world, as you would want it to be taken in the places where our food is grown. Yeah. And also to just like boo Jamie Oliver whenever you see him. Speak, speak, speaking of booing, do we have time, do we think, to go over uh, my one last favorite uh, food boy? Yes. Uh, how long do we have collectively? Five minutes. Five minutes? We, do not, we do not have time to give that subject justice. Well, can we like give him, like, can we at least like say his name? Mm. So you met a guy called David Av- Just to, This is just to con- con- conclude in a little bit of a, of a goofier note. Uh, you met a guy called David... Uh, well, he, I, I will only call him... Um, uh, 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 David, what? Stephen Wolf. Mm-hmm. He goes by something else, doesn't he? He does. What's, what's he go by? David Avocado Wolf. <laughs> Is that like, yeah. is, is that how he says it? No, that's how it's pronounced. Really? Um, yeah, okay. that's how you say it. That's how it's pronounced. Yeah, that's like, no, I'm joking. Who, 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 um, is, who, who, so, who quickly is David so Avocado David Wolf? David Avocado Wolf is the guy you know we interviewed. when you just hear someone's name and you're immediately like, this man is a complete <laughs> asshole. I mean, you're going to change your name to like Milo Dill Edwards. Milo so. Dill Edwards. It's like Reginald. Like Reg- Reg- like, you're like wasting Edwards. my life as a journalist. I need to be an announcer. <laughs> you need to be a, a specifically a monster truck announcer. <laughs> a vegan monster truck announcer. Yeah. <laughs> Um, David is the, the brave sing- tender. I mean, I've got all sorts. Um, the David Avocado Wolf is this incredibly famous celebrity that works with sort of um, A-listers, travels the entire globe, and tries to promote different types of foods for healthy living. Now he's made some super um, precarious claims in the past. Really, um, things. I'd like to. I'd actually like to present you with a couple of them. Oh my god, go! Um, here is the first. My first favorite claim from. Uh, what I can only call a just as evil but way uglier looking sideshow Bob. Um, chocolate lines up planetarily with the sun and is therefore an octave of sun energy. I don't even... What? <laughs> <laughs> the fuck he just say? I know, I recognize words. Did you, reg- Hussain, did you recognize words? I'm trying words? to like see if I can scramble. G- give us another way. one. Okay, okay. Um, He's trying to come up with the online version of k- stepping on hundreds it's like, of rakes. It's like, astro- it's like dude astrology. Okay, go Vegan on. Vegan astrology. Hey, um, all of us have such bonks, okay? Okay. Um, sun-dried cane juice crystals uh, are more healthy than sugar. What, what is cane juice, just for our listeners? When, cane is when you're sh- trying to convince a girl to suck you off. So there's cane sugar is the really long one that you uh-huh. have to squeeze. We eat it where we're from. What would we call it? We'd call it sugar. Yeah. I mean, I've heard of it. I've heard of it. <laughs> a sun-dried cane juice crystal is just, it's, it's sugar. Sh- it's, it's fucking sugar. Oh, no, it is. It is. Mm-hmm. Yes. But it sounds so much better when you call it that. It does. It's almost um, as though the commodity has lost all meaning you know what in the we exchange. Did? We, we sat there with him because he's a massive promoter of the nu- Nutribullet. You said he's a massive pro, and then I thought you were going to say something else. Um, <laughs> 
Oh, well, let your producer decide what I say there. Um, <laughs> he's a massive promoter of the Nutribullet and he um, gets paid tons of money to promote this thing. And women around the world, mostly women, believe and, and kind of adhere to his word as though he's some kind of guru or God. Um, essentially, what he's doing is selling hopes and dreams. And he, he will tell you that. See, the interesting thing about David is he knows he's peddling snake oil. He knows what he does. The problem is people know it and believe in it. Or as, or as he would call it, sun-dried <laughs> legless lizard paste. <laughs> I believe his latest thing at the moment, Milo, is like some kind of dill concoction that he's got going on. Um, I don't know if you've heard about this. Right. Um, oh, hell and, yeah. and here's, uh, here's, here's another thing. Um, blue butterfly powder. I mean, I don't know where to begin. It promotes vitality and healthy aging. Is it a real thing or is it like unicorns? I'm confused. Well, the whole thing is unicorns, right? It's just like a sachet of Gatorade powder. All I can hope is, I, and, is that David Avocado Wolf is at least acting as a sort of tax on the rich. Oh, God. It's a stupidity tax because some of the people that follow this stuff isn't, aren't necessarily rich. They're aspiring, right? Uh, that it's the aspiring classes. It's people like me. I mean, I don't own a Nutribullet, nor will I ever own a Nutribullet, but I like the sound of them yeah. crystals. In, 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 your, in, in your documentary, uh, I, I know we're, we're about to end, but I don't want to end without sort of, you know, trying to um, talk about the Nutribullet briefly. Um, it says it's a blender that's somehow more healthy for you than a normal blender. Yes, it blends more than blenders blend. <laughs> it's the juicero. <laughs> it juices more than juices juice. It um, is. It pulps more than mm-hmm. pulping. Yeah, it, it's like it's it actually splits the atom and causes a nuclear explosion of healthy living. Yes, but then it aligns with the sun's uh-huh. universal flow. <laughs> exactly, and then that's why. Listen, I don't. It's great marketing. He makes a killing off of it, and if people are deluding themselves enough to want to buy it you are they have aware at of it. how much the name sounds like a sex toy <laughs> it's like it's like a vegan sex toy I'll t- I'll makes guess. like suppository juices Wait, as a vegan woman i just want to let you know i'm turned on there you go. <laughs> so david david avocado wolf wins again ah <gasps> oh, damn you david avocado <laughs> maybe that's wolf. it maybe like at, maybe at the end of the day this is just like a really he's like a pickup artist and this is a really elaborate pickup scheme hey he's my homeboy he's persian just like me brap what up all right well david? all glory to the ayatollah long live the 1979 revolution um i still believe that iran's gonna win the world cup even if it's through the yemeni team inshallah inshallah bro all right uh so, uh, Nilifar, thank you very much for coming on. Thank this you. has been a sweet delight. Um, it's been a positive package yeah. of uh, sun-dried cane juice. Um, our, our theme tune is Here We Go by Ginseng. You can find it on Spotify. What? We forgot again. Keep watching the World Cup, lads. It's coming home to Russia. Okay. Uh, and uh, let's see. What else? Oh, yeah. Commodify your descent with a t-shirt from Little Comrade. Uh, why not? And yeah, we have a new home on Spotify. Listen to us there as well as it's on good. all your other really Spotify on your other podcast listening uh, devices. Uh, I th- is it better for us if you listen we on get Spotify? Paid one deal the, per stream. The, the, streaming is the streaming quality is better. Yeah, you'll hear that. You'll hear the extra jokes that we usually cut out. <laughs> Both of them, like 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 the like the bit at, <laughs> like the bit at the end where we decide that David Avocado Wolf could actually get it. <laughs> He is like a thick boy. 
David, uh, no, it's fit boy season. We so. we have to end this before we say something libelously oh. sexual. Correct. <laughs> David Avocado Wolf. <laughs> oh As millennials. God. I cannot. All right. Yo, thank you for listening, everybody. Later. Thank you.